Good evening and welcome to the Pompey Politics Podcast. I'm Ian Tiny Morris. And I'm Simon Sandspring. Six twenty seven is upon us again for a Sunday evening as we sit here in the middle of what appears to be rather a biblical storm. It's uh about you, but it rather ruined all my well-laid plans for this afternoon. Well, yeah, it did for me. I didn't... I, The massive choice that I had of whether I was going to venture out to Lidl or Sainsbury's didn't come about because I looked outside and thought, no, sod that, I'm staying in. Sainsbury's? How very... Yeah. Wow. Good Lord. I didn't know whether liberals could shop in Sainsbury's. Well, it's the colour. The colour's quite near. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. Yeah, yeah. But again, in terms of plans being ruined, we had a, a cracking guest lined up for this evening. Um, so Simon Foster has been on before, top economist, um, who knows much more stuff than we do about uh, the economy and how it all functions. Unfortunately, he's poorly, so we're hoping he's going to get better soon, and we will we will put that episode in the in the freezer so that it is uh it's an oven ready episode when we choose to get it out and defrost it mm, where have we heard that before i'm making it yes too we'll, we'll come we'll, we'll come we'll you know, we'll come back to that one it's it's definitely worth one um thawing out and waiting for it to go ping so um without stretching any metaphors any further so we've we've almost got a pick a mix of subjects that we thought we'd cover uh, uh, this week, uh, but we we'll just remind everybody while we're here, um, we'll be doing hustings again this year. Uh, they went really well last year, so hustings are coming. Uh, we are in the process of securing acceptances from um, those candidates that have announced themselves as candidates or prospective candidates in the upcoming local elections in Portsmouth. Uh, last year, we uh, we actually did uh, three wards. This year, we're actually going to stretch ourselves and Can maybe we- do... Hmm? Did we only three do or four? three? I thought we did. Yeah, it felt. We tried to organise more than that, but unfortunately, schedules, I think, were a thing. But it, it, well, three or four. Anyway, we did some last year, but we're definitely doing more this year. Who, who needs actual numbers and facts? Um, they're so out of, they're so out of, um, out of fashion these days. Anyway, so uh, yes, we'll be having um, hustings. Um, where is it? We were settling. We were going to try and do ten if we could get people on. Yeah, yeah. No, we're up for ten. Um, we might end. Well, I mean, at the end of the day, it's it's all about sort of it's a combination of public demand but it's also about whether you know people are prepared to you know are prepared to put themselves forward and and have the conversation and i think there's uh you know i think last year we showed that um that there was good levels of engagement um you know differing levels across the parties we got um you know we we the ones that we held would think people were very, you know, very open and, and candidates spoke very honestly and passionately about why they wanted to serve as councillors. And I think, you know, if you're putting yourself out in, you know, and, and saying kind of vote for me, um, well, there's either two two ways to look at that, isn't there? There's the, you know, you, you actually think you as a person can do the, the, the job very well, in which case you're prepared to step forward and show you working, or possibly, this might be controversial, you're just going to hide behind the rosette of your choosing in your given ward and presume that that'll do enough to get you across the line. Um, well, 
indeed. I mean, um, candidates obviously are. It's entirely up to them whether you know we we can't force people to come. We don't have subpoena power. But we can judge um, them. No, we can well, judge we can, them. we can pass a comment on them, but there, <laughs> may, there may be a, it's maybe just a scheduling thing. But what we said that we'd do is, regardless of how many candidates there are in each ward, if we had at least two candidates from a particular ward saying that they were going to do a hustings, we would be happy to do it. Absolutely. Um, and and currently, there I think we're all, we've got I think two two wards where we've at least where we've got to at least that uh, that milestone just yet Um, but it is also a bit early um closer nominations isn't till april the 4th if memory serves so that's when um people that's the last day that people can legally be um submitted as a candidate in the local elections um so from 4 p.m or 5 p.m on april the 4th 5 p.m on april the 4th that's it the gate is shut yep no you know no one no one else can be so at that point people will know who it is and there's this bit of it's bad luck to say you're a candidate before, you know, some people consider it bad luck to say that you're a candidate before you're officially a candidate. So that Ooh. might be why they're not racing. But the speed will pick up, the speed will pick up. Definitely did four last year, and I can name them. We did Paulsgrove, we did Central South Sea, we did Charles Dickens, and we did Eastney and Craneswater. I beg your, I beg your pardon. Yeah. That's... We'll, we'll sack the researcher. That's no worries. So, in terms of our smorgasbord of, of topics for this evening, I think um, we've, we've selected these via a scientific process of uh, some of the most popular threads on your, your local politics forum, Portsmouth Politics, if you're not a member um, and you have an interest in the city and you're not somebody who's just going to cause masses of trouble and be difficult, run along and sign up. We'd love to have you. Indeed, yes. The more, the more, the merrier. Um, join the conversation. And if you are a prospective candidate in an upcoming hustings, please also give us a bell. Yep. Um, and that's uh, pompeypoliticspodcast at gmail.com or contact us via Facebook or, or Twitter or, you know, any of the other millions of ways we're available. Yes. So what are the things in our pick and mix today, Lenny, and what, what have we got? So we're going to kick off with the, the changes to the highway code. Now, this one could be a bit spicy for us to, to work our way through. Owing as neither of us are overly blessed in the driving license stake, but um, but I think based on the research you did, this is this is these changes are much more about us as pedestrians and bicyclists as it is um it is about the motorists. So um, yeah, I won't steal your research. What's changed? Well, why not? I stole it from somewhere else. So um. So interestingly enough, I'd shared a post on um, the uh, Portsmouth Politics Group um, that was a meme or a, a graphic doing the rounds about what the changes meant. And as it turns out, that actual uh, that graphic was in itself fake news. So I'd inadvertently shared fake news because I hadn't done my research before sharing it. So having poured over the um, the announcement on the on the government's website, so essentially without reading the whole highway code to you. Um, mm. It kind of focuses on a, on a set of uh, different areas. So it looks at hierarchy of road users. Uh, broadly, um, it's expecting that road users should be familiar with the highway code and expect that it changes and familiarise themselves with the changes as it happens. It's not something you should just learn to pass your test, which probably comes as a shock to about 98% of drivers. Um, the next kind of key thing is about people crossing the road at junctions and traffic should give way to pedestrians waiting to cross and road users should always give way to pedestrians on zebra crossings. I don't know how that's different to what you'd normally expect to do. 
if I'm really honest. Yeah, the um the the, the zebra crossings thing it isn't isn't a change. They've just added that in. Now this is where mm. I I can speak with a little authority because it um mm. the the crossing at side roads is something. It is a perennial problem for guide dog owners, um, as myself uh, experience. So effectively, when we train guide dogs, um, guide dogs are trained. You might be surprised. Most people think that the the guide dog tells you when to cross the road. That's not the case. You know, there's an element of you've got to listen and watch, and if you've got any residual vision, and ascertain when it's safe to cross. But what they are trained to do is they've got a sort of emergency stop arrangement, which means that they're trained not if a vehicle's very close, even if it's stationary, they, they are trained not to cross, which means that our new change to the highway code actually gives, it gives guide dog owners a bit of a problem, um, but it also, it, it's gonna be a bit of a double-edged sword because even though at the moment the law says you're entitled to drive straight past me, Often many people uh, think they're doing the right thing when they pull up, see you standing there, and they stop. Now, they think they're being very helpful. Um, ultimately, they're not. Because my dog is going, well, I'm not crossing in front of that. I've now got a diesel engine vehicle in my right ear, which means although I can probably guess that that one's not going to run me down, what I can't now hear is whether on the far side of the road there's an electric or a, a hybrid vehicle turning into the road which i'm not going to hear coming because the sound of the clattering diesel engine of the well-meaning motorist is now in my right so this leads to often much gesticulation of often myself sort of pointing to drive on by which people um which people sometimes get and sometimes don't um, sometimes they like to be helpful by leaning on the horn, um, which again doesn't help me at all. Or say, "Oh, mate, it's clear to go." I think, well, yeah, but you can't see what's coming around the corner. So that—that's how it is at the moment. Now, the changes to the highway code, people got very excited about it. Oh my God, dog won't cross in front of them. Well, it will, because ultimately, you know, if if you tell the dog to cross because it's safe, the the dog will crack on with it. Um, there's an override button. There is an override button, but there's also the situation that because it's a new, because it's a new law, as you hinted in your first part, not every driver is fully familiar with the rules of the highway code, and neither will they be familiar with this change to the highway code. So as I am now stood at my junction, I, I'm not in a position where I can boldly hear the car coming down the road and think, "Aha." No problem at all. I shall stride out manfully as the highway code says they must stop to let me across. That's a good way to end up upside down, laying on their bonnet and looking at the sky, going, but the highway code said. Um, so, so yes, it's no comfort to you while you're in hospital, is it? No, no. You, you, you know, it's that piece of, well, I had right on my side. Yes, I was. I mean, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Um, yes. how, how often um, a metaphor for... Uh, yes, but funny enough, years later we've developed that that particular process, not with road safety though, but in terms of um, Facebook, because I have the right on, I am right. Anyway, so yep. um, yeah, so, so, so we, we actually we've got that you know, one. Yep. So we're we're at back at the point where 
you know, ultimately the advice that we, we've had to give out to all of our guide dog owners is same rules apply as before. You've got to judge the situation and you've got to, you know, you've got to manage as best you can. Um, and whilst in theory, it's a good thing that people should stop. Um, I'm not sure it's going to, um, I'm not sure it's going to help as much as the, the well-intentioned people who wrote it might think. It'll help for some people, hmm. um, but not necessarily for the visually impaired or guide dog owners. Yeah, I, I guess at the end, and you said this earlier on in our in our um, in our prep in our preparatory chat, was that some people will follow the rule and some people yep. won't, and that's no different to what it was before. It's yep. just that maybe the percentage is different, and maybe. It won't be any different. It's just that they didn't know that the rules changed. So, yeah. Okay. So th there's kind of that. There's also some stuff about um, walking, cycling or riding um, horses um, in shared spaces. Um, so uh, cyclists, people on horses or horse-drawn um, vehicles should respect pedestrians and pedestrian spaces. Um, the cyclists uh, should not pass horses at speed and should slow down and let pedestrians know when they're coming, i.e. With, with a bell. Um, and that um, users should remember that pedestrians may be deaf, blind or partially sighted. Um, there's stuff about positioning on the road when cycling, so um, be considerate of other road users. And here's the kind of the thing where I think the graphic that I'd shared said that basically interpreted that this this kind of new bit of the rules as cyclists always ride in the middle of the road. And actually what, it, what the rule is saying is ride in the centre of the road where it's safe to do so. Um, or indeed ride to a breast where it's safe to do so. Or, for example, if you're cycling with an inexperienced or a child uh, user mm. um, and always try to leave um, a meter when passing parked vehicles in case some nutter opens their car door. Um, and it also talks about responsibility from a um, overtaking, if you're in a car overtaking a cyclist, um, you need to leave greater than a meter and a half um, when overtaking them and do it at less than 30 miles an hour. Um, likewise, if you're in a car, if you're passing people riding horses or with horse-drawn carriages, do that under 10 miles an hour and with a distance of greater than two metres. Um, and if you can't get those distances, then you'll have to wait until there's until there is space for you to do it. Uh, yeah, and this is what this is the one for me, which I think actually, um, you know, again, it, it, it's a it is a paper rule, and and we have seen an instance where police have cracked down on on people already who are passing too close to cyclists. I think this is an enormous challenge in a city like Portsmouth that has, you know, ha has those flat fronted, you know, residential areas where. You know, there was never intended to be cars parked outside. Um, and, you know, even though we're, you know, we live on the Highbury estate where the roads are reasonably wide, um, it's actually, you know, to potentially give a, a cyclist, you know, that much room, and it's right that you should do. Um, but I think it's going to, if people were following it to the letter of the law, and they almost certainly wouldn't, I think it does make it, it probably highlights why we need more kind of cycle only infrastructure because i i don't think a lot of our roads in portsmouth can support cyclists and motorists in the same space and enable them to 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 honor these rules to keep everybody safe 
Um, well, that, I mean, the, the rules are kind of saying where that's, you know, where it's possible, where it's safe to kind of do that. So they're not, I don't think they're imagining that in built up cities where you're expecting there to be cyclists. And indeed, it also talks about where there's slow moving traffic. Cyclists can pass the traffic on the left or the right, but don't be stupid enough to do it at a junction or where there's a lorry, because obviously a lorry could turn left in front of you. And, um, you know, sadly, that's how a, a lot of um, cycling fatalities uh, occur. So, you know, so there is kind of a bit of an interval, but it's, I, I think, kind of, the headline was about the changing of the hierarchy of road users mm. in the sense of, um, but you think about the, the, you know, think about, I mean, we know even less about, um, about piloting a boat than we probably do about driving a car, but on the sea, you give way to sail because it is the, it doesn't have a motorized, you know, it's not motorized. It can't move as nimbly and therefore yep. you, you need to kind of um, give it a bit more respect and a bit of distance to be able to do its thing. Um, and in a similar sort of way, maybe this is kind of something similar to that is actually the most vulnerable people in the public roadway or indeed actually on footpaths um, need to be uh, need to be observed and given the most amount of respect and space uh, to keep them safe because they're the ones that ultimately end up sadly paying with their lives um, when, when it's kind of something bad uh, really happens. There's there's other stuff about um uh, motor vehicles giving priority to cyclists at, at roundabouts and not overtake, not attempting to overtake them. Um, but there's a key thing, you know, we mentioned earlier on about being distant from parked cars. Yep. The kind of the other thing is about the Dutch reach. You know, if I if I told you about the Dutch reach, I don't I don't think Jesus, I want to know I, what you I, think I, that might mean. I, I'm I am very very concerned. Yeah. No. Point. Stop the, it. The, the family show, Simon. Family show. Yes. Yeah. So so the Dutch so the Dutch reach, as it's called, mm. is where if you're sat uh, if you're sat in the um, in the driving seat in a in a car, mm. for example, then um, then rather than opening your car door with your left hand. Um, you actually open it with no, sorry. Rather than opening it with your right hand, get my left and right sorted out. Um, you open it with your left hand because then that way you're pivoting your body, and it also moves forward. I mean, everyone else can see that I'm doing this, obviously. No, uh, you vocally. Uh, I've heard uh, you turn I'm, away from I'm, the. I'm I'm turned away from the microphone. I'm I'm demonstrating this for listeners. So on 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 the podcast, this is going to make even less sense. But essentially. You're t you're causing yourself to pivot your body and therefore your your face to s to look in the direction of what might be a cyclist coming up the road, actually um kind of you know from from behind. So in that respect, um maybe it's a bit awkward, but if that means that rather than opening a car door into a cyclist that causes them to come off their bike and uh, and into traffic, um then maybe that might save some lives. But forgive me. Okay. If I if, often only, do. if if only there was some kind of thing attached to your car door that in a reflective way allowed you to see what was coming up on your side of the car. Like a yeah, but in wing mirror? But, but, yeah, but but the wing mirror is no substitute for having a fuller field of view that you would have if you actually turned round. And because you're not moving, you can do that quite safely. Don't turn round and look over your shoulder by the way when you're on, when you're on a motorway or an A road like I did once. That yeah. really scares the it scares the um the exam not the examiner the um the learning driving instructor person. yeah 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 the driving instructor that's the word they um they yeah, they're like, don't don't ever don't ever do that again yeah so don't do that but anyway they, this is why I, I don't sit behind a two ton piece of metal and um drive it around the city because yeah, i'm yeah, shit at uh, it yeah, so um i'm, I'm not so, convinced about your your dutch method but um everything else is your, good my dutch method 
Family show. Move on. Family show. So moving on. So so that was the highway code. Bit of a mixed bag then, but well intended, but maybe some unintended consequences for uh, for visually impaired road users. Yeah, we're not. As I say, probably not because there there as I say, there's an element of some people. You know, well-meaning stopped already. Most didn't. The the balance of that might change. Um, you know, and as I say, it, it, it's all a that cars are changing. You know, there's an element of a lot of them are electric or hybrid or have got eco mode, which means when they stop, they then go silent. So you're then doing the, oh, oh, well, have they, you know, have they pulled up to go and get a pint of milk or are they poised, ready to run me down the second I step off the uh, curb? So it is the, it is the rich lottery of, um, of, gadding about towns and cities with no sight so it's um it's just a and we haven't even dimension. and we haven't even mentioned e-scooters yeah well i'm still not sure about an e-scooter with the e-scooters we've got in portsmouth do you know if you have to ride you ride them on the road or do you ride them on the pavement um it depends in i think i think you but they're only meant to be used in certain areas the officially licensed ones ah. ones that aren't part of the scheme aren't legal either on a pavement or on the road no, no. I, and again, it's not one we were going to cover today, but I don't understand hmm. what the fuss is about the old electric scooter because there's an element of... Uh, I, I used to be a bicyclist and I was reasonably good at bicycling and could get my bicycle up to 30 miles an hour plus. Now, I put it to you, if you were a pedestrian and at the time my 20 stones plus bicycle hit you at 30 miles an hour, that would be a very bad thing. And bits of you and bits of me would break. So the e-scooter don't go any faster than that, but you've got your hybrid electric push bikes, which regularly can outstrip an e-scooter, but nobody seems to worry about them. Oh, well, it's, it's it's an interesting point. It's a weird thing. While we're saving the planet, we're just like Marcel Marceau as a death ninja zipping through the streets of Portsmouth. So please, whatever vehicle you're using, pay attention to other road users or pedestrians and do it responsibly. Um, yes. So that maybe that's another maybe that's another show. It's also one that seems to get people positively enraged about. So talking about rage, what was our next subject? Where do we where were we going next? Let me. Well, although I'm just I'm moving on from your Dutch reach, looking at your notes, um, and um, and moving on to to Luke Stubbs, current councillor for Eastney and Craneswater, um, widely expected to stand down in May um, because he had taken up the role of deputy police and crime commissioner um, last June. Um, mm -hmm. An interesting appointment in that uh, Donna Jones, who was elected as the police and crime commissioner for Hampshire, it, it's, a, it, it's a position that is uh, appointed oblique crowned rather than recruited. So, um, so uh, effectively Donna got to pick who her deputy was, chose Luke, um, but unfortunately six months on, um, this week, Luke resigned his position as uh, as deputy PCC after controversial 
provocative. Uh, yeah. So I, I mean, he was a he was a controversial appointment, and has so he he joined in under con- mild controversy as the many many people commented about um, uh, about it. Basically, you know, a sixty-five grand a year job that your mate got you. Um, I'm sure he's quite capable, uh, nonetheless. Um, but uh, but obviously, in leaving um, within a year, um, is leaving also kind of in a bit, with a bit of controversy in the sense that um, so he made some comments at um, um, at a Hampshire and Isle of Wight Fire and Rescue Service Authority uh, meeting in December. Um, where he questioned the um, the logic of um, genders uh, gender targets um, in different roles uh, within the the fire and rescue service, um, and saying that they uh, they don't you know they they might help women, but they don't kind of really help yeah um, anybody else. Yeah, I think his key position was that that, that quotas, um, and I think he drew a, a, a parallel that you know there, there is a quota to increase the number of female and minority firefighters um but i think the point he made at the time was that in the control room 84 percent of the staff were women um and that everybody seemed quite comfortable with that so sort of base position was that and i think it was reported as quotas only help women and minorities which you know as you might imagine caused a bit of a kerfuffle um mm-hmm. but when you read through it it kind of it, it it felt like the kind of controversial thing that Luke sometimes said, but in terms of, well, was it factually correct? Yes, it probably was. Was anybody going to throw their hands up and and violently agree with him that the 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 situation in the control rooms was a disgrace and we needed to ensure there were there were more white men in there because that that was obviously in it you know it was a kind of something and nothing and i think it it caused a bit of what they call chatter at the time but then seemed well, to go quiet well the the um a, a subcommittee basically met to decide whether he'd breached a code of conduct because there were numerous complaints uh, about that and uh, Councillor John Beavis, M- MBE, was quoted in the Hampshire Live as saying, um, he does like to speak his mind, it, but if you are representing the Police and Crime Commissioner at a meeting, then you represent her policies. Instead, we, we found that he used the platform to express his personal views. Um, so, yeah, he's, um, it, you know, he's, he's not a stranger to, to making um, off-the-hand uh, comments. Um, but... Um, but what a rare thing, actually, seeing someone that does something that slips up and actually resigns. Yeah, well, and again, I kind of, I, I look at this through two different lenses, though, Simon, because one of the things that, that people were very upset about was the fact that Donna got to choose her person rather than it going through a through a process of, you know, active recruitment, you know, checking people's experience, their suitability for the role, their skills, you know, everything that you'd expect for a well-paying, publicly funded job. But it's interesting, the comments of it was, was it um, Mr. Bevan basically said, well, you're not here to have opinions, son. You're not here to, to, to speak your mind. You are simply here to deliver Donna's message. So I guess, does that say that 
that whoever is in that role has to be the 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 right hand person of Donna, who is only there to speak of her policies and her views, and is is therefore yeah, that's why it has to be a I need to pick somebody I can trust. Um. Yeah, I, I kind of see. I see what you're saying. In any in any situation where you are, um, you know, it, even when you, I mean, if you're a councillor, you are elected effectively, aren't you, for your opinions? Yes. Okay. But when you're in any other role in life, so if you're in an elected position, you're 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 elected because of your opinions, because of your because uh, your ideology, or ideology, or or because of your um, because of your views on on on, um, mm. on certain things and your principles. Um, but in any other kind of role, um, your personal views on things have to take a back seat, and you have to actually um, remain politically neutral and um, and talk about things in a professional way. I mean, you know, if I'm if I'm in a workplace and someone's um, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm taking a call from a member of the public, and they're t- they're asking me about uh, where they're trying to talk about politics. I may well agree or disagree with their view, mm. but at the end of the day, I'm not going to have a discussion with them about it because that's not what I'm there for. So, um, and holes can very, very quickly be dug if you try to. So, in, in a sense, he dug a hole. He said something that that a lot of people were quite understandably rather put off with because if you're trying to encourage. Um, a greater spread spread of diversity in um, in the forces sorry in the services that you you're trying to represent comments like that I guess probably really don't help but from the fundamental point of it's no different to the press officer for Boris Johnson basically saying oh actually I think we should rejoin the EU when that's obviously that's not Boris Johnson's policy yeah yeah no I, I think I think it's a, it's a fair point and, and as I say I I guess, and that's probably why we're we're, we're talking about it. it. It feels like lots of people have made, shall we say, bigger gaffes or more controversial statements than that in public life, who haven't done the "I resign" thing. So, I mean, I think yes. you know that that in terms of, you know, from Luke's perspective, making it very, you know, very clear cut. He he he's, he is. You know, he's he's taken he's taken his medicine, um, and exited stage mm. left. Um, which, let's be fair, that's 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 quite a bold decision when there's there's five and a bit grand on the hip every month. Well, yeah, but the position becomes untenable, doesn't it? I mean, there is a point where I mean, let's not shower him with glory for actually doing the right thing because all he's done is the right thing after yeah, doing but, a wrong well, thing. Well, is it? But so, is it? Is but, it no? That's the bit I'm kind of I I, I, I if I look at that comment, I don't think hmm. it's resign worthy. I, I don't I think do, the I, comment I, in, mm. in itself. I mean, I guess the answer is yes. If all he is supposed to do is when Donna can't be there, go and parrot Donna's views, then yeah, he's broken the code of conduct. But in terms yeah, but of it, yeah, but if your but if your role is to deputise for someone else, then effectively the moment you stop being a reliable mouthpiece for their policies and their views, you you you've effectively you've ma- you've made your position untenable, haven't you? So you know, regardless, at the end of the day, um, obviously 
the conversations that took place between him and Donna would would have been private. Yeah. Um, you know, Don, Donna made a statement to say that you know she, that, that she wishes him well, accepted his resignation, um, and and kind of off he goes. At the end of the day, um, you know, it's it's a done deal. It's up, it was up to him whether he resigned or not. He decided to resign. Um, personally, I think, I, I, I think it would be better that he hadn't said it. But the fact that he resigned because he did. Um, I, I, I think that, I think that was the right thing to do. If I'm honest, I disagree with your view. But that's yeah, I, about, as I say, it? I don't. I don't. As I say, I don't. I, I'm all I'm saying is that I don't think it was resign worthy. If if he mm. and Donna felt that it, it it was the right thing to do between them, then it it, it was the right thing to do. I, I think it just flies in the face of of. I guess maybe that's where I've become so jaded by people effectively pulling their trousers down and mooning at the electorate and then doing the, well, yeah, I didn't do anything wrong. Yes, you bloody did. Um, I don't know who you might be talking about. Um, But but but, there are are many examples, aren't there? There there are, unfortunately, yes, there are. There are many, many examples. And when we think that we've had all of them, another one pops up. Absolutely. Um, Um, So, 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 yeah, well, Luke has moved on. I guess the question is, Will mm. he be um, dropping us a DM? I'm sure he's a listener. Um, offering to uh, whether is he going to be standing in East and Cranesworth? I do hope he is. Because I'm not being funny. It's It would be him. Potentially Craig. Craig Wivy, I think, has already said he's he's up for... And he's, he's good value. Mm-hmm. Um, and if it's Matt Winnington, he's good value. Christ, that could be a hell of a hustings. Oh, and there's a there's a Lee there's Tyndall. A, there's Lee Tyndall with the in, independent running. <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. come on, well, come on, come one, the, come our, all. Our our email inbox or yeah. our DMs are open, Luke. We're reaching out. Come and have your say. Um. So, yes. where do we go next? So, <laughs> talking of things you shouldn't say. Oh God. So our, our next one was essentially just how drunk do you have to be to say something racist to a reporter in a bar in the House of Commons? Well, it would seem not as much as you might think. Mm. So here we got we got Labour lad this time, isn't it? Uh, yeah, Neil Coyle, the um, MP for Bermondsey and Old Southwark, who was elected in 2019 with 54% of the vote. Do we know of him? Controversial character? Um, not that I, uh, not that I know of. Um, no, he's, well, he's... He, if he wasn't before, he is now. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh God, was the bar in nineteen seventy-five? I think that maybe stepped through a. Through well, it was a... the strangers' bar in the House of Commons, <laughs> and he was talking, and it, it just sounds like something out of a out of yep. a nineteen fifties novel, doesn't yep. it? Um, he was. I speaking, met the fellow um, in the strangers' bar. In the strangers' bar, yeah. um, he was re- speaking to a reporter, um, Henry Dyer, um, and happened to make um, what can be defined as um, he used a twentieth century trope for a, t- a Chinese supervillain to describe the reported. Um, the reported um, revelation that um, that Barry Gardner had been paid by uh, by a um, uh, by a, um, a, um, a 
uh, was a it Chinese, Chinese agent? A Chinese agent, spy. But the words, yes, but the words that Neil Coyle used were something different, and we won't we won't repeat them because oh. it's it's not nineteen seventy seven. Um, and I think we um, can. You reckon? Well, if oh, you want to, can. you can. So he described the the chap as Fu Manchu. Now I, I, I it was I think it was seventies. I'm trying to remember where the villain came from. I think it might have been Pink Panther, but I can't be sure. Should have done my research. Um, mm. But if I remember rightly, I think Fu Manchu was played. I know again, I'm I'm really off piece here. I think it was he was played by a man who wasn't Chinese, but was oh, made because that, that yeah 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 that made yeah. it so much better yeah um, yeah. So, so that that's the sort of ter- that's the territory we're in where that was considered to be. That's okay, and it don't mean nothing by it. Yeah, and then and then when uh, when Henry uh, Dyer challenged um, Neil Coyle on that, he, his response was that basically that Dyer was being overly sensitive, and that um, uh, and that he had a mem um, a member, of, uh, sorry, someone in his family were, um, was also from uh, Chinese descent, and that um, and, and to quote. Um, in the so this was reported in the standard from the look of you you've been giving rem uh, remnibi the chinese currency apparently um to barry gardner um now, it's so, important to note at this point that henry dyer the um the journalist is of british chinese descent yes so i i, I yeah i don't quite know how I mean, at the end of the day, you could try to use that you were drunk as an excuse, but really it isn't. At the end of the day, you are, you're, no one's forcing you to get drunk and no one's forcing you to say stupid, offensive things in, in an, and discuss things in an appropriate way. Um, Henry well, Dyer um, informed the Speaker of the House yep. and the Sergeant Arms and the House of, uh, House of Lords authorities suspended uh, Neil Coyle from the parliamentary estate pending investigation. Um, and Labour suspended him uh, from the Labour whip, um, saying that the Labour Party expects the highest standards of behaviour from all our MPs and we take allegations of this sort very seriously. So I'm sure they'll be investigating that in due course. And Neil issued a, um, a, a frank, uh, frank apology. Well, and and there's a number of dimensions to this, isn't there? So, you know, at the end of the day, we're, we're both old enough to have caught the tail end of the 70s. We were children. But there's an element of... Yeah. You, you, there would be things that your nan... There are statements that your nan or, grand, or, or somebody of two generations previous would use that would just have you going, man, you can't say that. Yeah. And the, I don't mean nothing by it. it, well, it we, we have moved on, thankfully, so far from that, that, you know, that sort of casual, you know, casual, I hate to use the word racism because it's that casual, I, I would use the word casual ignorance and, and the use of harmful language. We are so much more sensitive to it now. And there'll be some who, oh, yeah, the world's gone mad. And, but there's no, there's no excuse for it. No. And having been, you know, having been called out, you know, I'm pretty sure, had he have said, that's a fair point, I'm really sorry. Yeah, you know, give me, you know, use the, the different times defence and held his hands up, that would have been the end of it. But to do the... 
Well, you look a bit like one of them, don't you, mate? Really? Yeah. It's when one finds oneself in a hole. <laughs> Stop. Yeah. Stop digging or Stop shouting digging mild and, or, and shouting yeah. mildly <laughs> racist yeah. tropes. Yeah. And and yeah. And and certainly don't order yourself a JCB so you yeah. can do it faster, which is effectively what he did. And it, so it's moving on to the. But it's fascinating, mm, isn't it? So, uh, you know, has he resigned? Nope. So he's, he's not resigned he's, as an MP, no. Nope. Uh, he's issued his apology. Mm-hmm. But I guess the other dimension that we explore, because this came up on the oh, in the thread in Portsmouth Politics, is, is part of the problem the fact that Westminster as a workplace has, well, a number of of watering holes basically a number of subsidized bars yeah, yeah while you're at um, work you can get on the lash now um I, yeah I've, which I've, I've never experienced that in the workplace uh no i mean i've i've worked for organizations that used to have on-site um clubs and bars that obviously weren't open during the working hours but well, that's were, that, that, yeah. uh, were, I mean, they were shutting it down because they were basically having the site being demolished. But none of, they kind of seem very much a relic of the 70s. Um, and by which I mean the 1970s. Obviously, the House of Commons and the House of Lords are a relic of the, like the 1870s. 1770s, um, yeah. Yeah, so the 1770s, as, um, uh, as I'm sure Rhys Mogg would, um, would testify from when he was there at the opening. Exactly. So, um, so, yeah, I'd, I'd, I mean, I actually, if you think about it like that, it's a politically heady environment with tired and drunk MPs courted by journalists. It's actually almost, uh, I mean, I'm not going to say it's almost um, surprising. that It's an accident waiting to happen, it's, isn't it's it? Just a, it's just an accident waiting to happen. I don't mean them saying casually racist things. I mean, in them basically just letting words slip about something else. But surely that can't be a good idea. But, you know, hey-ho, let's... let's you know, let's not get into a conversation about whether we should or shouldn't refurbish a building that's not fit for purpose. Um, but I guess the question is, do we think he should resign? Well, that's an interesting one. Because um, we've had similar local, we've had local examples, haven't we, where um, where councillors have said things that have been, um, you know, they've very been in, con- inopportune or they've, or yeah, they've shared very them. controversial. But, and, and they were very controversial or they've posted pictures of dubiously decorated um, buns um, and by which we mean the edible kind that yeah actually there there would have been there would have been people actually calling for their resignation so should he resign maybe maybe uh, maybe that is a resigning matter and that's something that he should he should consider um, and therefore kind of throwing a by-election yeah um, and, I, and I I do wonder what the Labour Party will you know which you know which stance they will take i mean they they have you know that there is an element of they've withdrawn the whip where they you know i i don't believe the labor party can force him to to resign they can disown him or distance him as they have done with Mm. uh the lovely jeremy corbyn but there is an element of he can still sit on the benches as an independent and um keep picking up his MP salary until 2024. So we'll see what he does. Yes, because indeed he works for the people of his constituency, not for the Labour Party. Um, 
which um, of course is um, is another point. But that's the age-old thing of whether people vote for someone because of the person or whether they vote because well, of the party colour they're attached to. And so again, it's, it's, it's a fascinating one because if we go back to our, our your friend and mine, Jeremy Corbyn, people voted for him as Jeremy Corbyn, as Jeremy Corbyn Labour Party. Um, but during his parliamentary career as a member of the Labour Party, you know, he had the... Um, dubious honour of having voted against the Labour Party on more than 500 different occasions. So I guess the people of Islington North, you know, were, were, must have been quite comfortable that they were getting a maverick who, who wasn't going to toe the party line. Well, well let's be honest, they, they, no, one, no one could could not have known what they were, what they were getting. Um, but, you know, there are obviously numerous other examples other than just kind of focusing on uh, the ex-leader of the Labour Party yeah, and no. people that have crossed the floor. So, um, or people that have been um, booted out or at least temporarily held out into the cold by their um, by their existing party. So, but moving on and talking, so kind of staying with the theme of saying things you shouldn't say. Oh, oh God. So, Jimmy Carr's Netflix show. Yes. So, I don't know how many of our listeners have actually watched it um, or actually listened to it. Um, so he made, um, and he, uh, I mean, although he issued a warning at the beginning of the show that he was going to be saying, um, he was going to be saying some terrible things. Um, and, um, and you know, that he co he commented actually in subsequent shows that, the, you know, the show that's, the, sorry, the joke that's going to end his career is already out there referring to this one. It's still up there, you know, it's up there on Netflix. Um, and basically he'd, he'd made a joke, uh, about the Holocaust, um, and about, um, and trying to infer. I think you, if you've got the, if you've got the text there, I have read um, it, read it rather than us trying to skirt around because it is, okay. it, it has, it has to be verbatim, I think, rather than us putting so, our own. So what, what he'd said, it. okay. So what he'd said, um, and I quote, was uh, when people talk about the Holocaust, they talk about the about the tragedy of the six million lives being lost to the Nazi war machine, but they never ref mention the thousands of gypsies killed by the Nazis because no one wants to talk about the positives. That was, quote-unquote, his joke. Uh, Sajid Javid on Times Radio described it as, ho as horrid, and um, one of the best ways people can react to that is to show... Uh, these platforms, by which he means Netflix, uh, what they think about uh, Jimmy Carr by not watching or listening to him. Uh, the PM spokesperson said that those comments are deeply disturbing and unacceptable to make, um, and it's unacceptable to make light of the genocide. Uh, and when asked whether Netflix should pull the show, um, they went on to say that that will be a matter for them. Uh, but we are clear that mocking the atrocities of the Holocaust is unacceptable. Um, and adding that the government is toughening measures for social media and streaming platforms who don't tackle harmful content the holocaust memorial day trust and the auschwitz memorial um and the uh, traveler movement a charity supporting the traveler community in the uk launched a petition calling for netflix to remove the truly disturbing segment um and his uh, long-term friend david Badil tweeted um, you can obviously tell a holocaust joke that is cruel and inhumane and mean-spirited and racist or you can tell one that targets the oppressors or draws attention to the fundamental evil of it or shines a light on the on the humanity of the victims clearly jeremy um, jeremy cars was the former um and yes so 
Well, we've got a number of angles here, haven't we? Okay, what are the angles? So the angle for me is that Jimmy Carr knew that having written that down, that was fundamentally wrong. You know, the, the well, I'm, I expect to be cancelled, blah, 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 going to say some edgy things. You know, comedy is, you know, comedy always has a butt of a joke. You know, and there's questions as to whether you punch up, you punch down, or you go sideways. And for me, he has written that down, and there's an element of having looked at it, any amount of reasonable self-censorship would have looked at that and said, that's not funny. And it, it, even if somebody, the, the kind of person that would find that funny... I'm not on board with. So that one gets screwed up and thrown in the bin. So it, it's not a, it's not an off the cuff. I misspoke. It's not a, I was drunk. I said something I probably shouldn't like our first two. It is a calculated sticking the chin out and saying, I'm going to say something vile and inappropriate. And what are you, the watching public, going to do about it? So that, that for me is the first angle. The right. second okay. angle is that Netflix would have got that as a quote unquote tape and decided whether that they, they would have had an editorial process that would have, should have looked at that and said, I'm sorry, mate, that is not going up on our platform. You want to do it in your live shows, which doesn't have our name associated with it, you take your chances, but we ain't platforming that. So I, what, what really troubles me about this, as well as the content being vile and unacceptable, is is this a massive publicity stunt? Well, there is the saying, isn't there? There is no such thing as, as bad publicity. So in that respect, you know, the best thing that happens to most um, most pop groups is that if they have a, if they basically have a record... Oh, God, I'm talking... I'm just sounding so old now. If they have a track that's banned, yep. then basically everyone will go out and rush to, rush to download it, right? Because, you know, the major... not that, I don't know if anybody actually bloody listens to music on radio stations anymore. Um, but, but in that respect... You know, there is, there is kind of that thing of you can deliberately cause a fuss. And yeah, I, I get your point that this wasn't something that was ad-libbed yep. or something that was kind of, um, there, you know, there was an escalation of a, you know, a feedback of kind of, you know, um, off-the-cuff humour that was kind of done on the night. I'm not trying to, you know, you, you, can't, you can't excuse it. That's been planned. That's been rehearsed mm. to, to, to have to issue a disclaimer at the front of the show and indeed actually just before the joke. So I watched it because, um, because I didn't want to be, um, I, I don't see the point in being incited by something I haven't actually yep. kind of experienced myself. I'd, I'd rather kind of see it to see actually whether, you know, whether, whether actually I agree. Um, I, I don't think, I don't think he should have said it. Um, I don't understand why Netflix want their brand associated with it. It's not like on Facebook where, they where Facebook will will claim that they're not a publisher, 
and, yep. and, or a distributor and therefore they're not responsible for the content or no, actually as the government have said they're trying to crack down on the harms that the social media sites actually let get posted on their platforms Netflix is effectively a distributor because it's a streaming service yep um, so they have a they have an editorial choice and a control it's not like he just stuck a thumb drive in and basically said okay upload that to your service and no one's ever looked at it yep um, yeah someone made a decision somewhere to say that that was an okay thing um, an okay thing to broadcast um, I don't think it's an okay thing to broadcast I'm I'm massively in favour of free speech I'm massive, but I'm not a fan of censorship I'm a, and as we both are we, I'm a fan of self-censorship um, and just because you might be able to try to say something because you say it you know it's deeply offensive and you say it, it's almost like saying oh I don't mean to be offensive but <laughs> Well, isn't it just that I, I don't it, mean to be racist, but yeah, that, that mean, is the know, one, isn't and it? It's, yeah, it's, it's just so, it's just so calculated yeah. and callously, and it's yeah. just not funny. I watched the whole show and I laughed once, and it yeah, definitely I mean, bloody I, wasn't to that joke. Yeah, so I, I just don't find it funny. I'm not I'm not going to pay money to see him because I just don't find him funny. That's not about cancel yeah. culture. That's about me deciding who to give my money to. Absolutely. And and for me, cards on the table, look, I am not a Jimmy Carr fan. I wouldn't, you know, if he was playing in the back garden, I'm not sure I'd bother to open the patio doors. You know, I'm, he doesn't. But what if the dog wanted to go out? Well, then if the dog wanted to go out, then, yeah, we'd let him out. So it, it, he's not my kind of comedian. But the, there's an element of, if I look at that, you know, if I look at him, that, that feels to me cynical, calculating to get, to get media airtime. And so there's then that question around, well, what happens next? Does Jimmy Carr get cancelled? Well, and I kind of look at it through through the lens of, it's really for every individual to, to you know, decide. I, I think I'm not, a, I'm not a real fan of no platforming people. I think that's, that's not the answer. Um, so in terms of, you know, if people are, know booking him at their venue I, I wouldn't want to see crowds of people outside bullying and harassing the venue to say cancel his show cancel his show um i would encourage people to keep their money in their pocket and not go to see his show um so you know that that's that's where i'm at in terms of quote-unquote cancel i i think the man's distasteful i think what he said isn't funny and I, I would encourage people to to boycott his work. Um, but I think the key question is 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 where do Netflix stand on this? Because they're continuing to happily stream his clearly offensive joke. Um, and almost I I do worry that it then becomes a dog whistle to the well not a racist but. It's like what well, a woke one. They saying he can't say that. And it's like it's only a joke, mate. So it's like I'm going to be going and watching his show, and like I think it's the way forward. And that's my that's my my racist that's caricature. That's my yeah. that's my racist caricature, um, you know, response. And that that's the bit that worries me. Is this is this is cynical and it's pre-planned, and it, it it's a dog whistle to those people who say, yeah, well, I don't mean nothing by it, mate, when they say something hideously 
racist or inappropriate. And, and, and that's almost worse. Actually, no, that's not almost worse. That is that definitely is worse. worse, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. So, um, yeah. Okay. Um, I, yeah. I, I agree. What a plunker. Um, okay. And he doesn't have the so, option to resign. So, Luke has resigned. Um, our chap from Labour hasn't resigned, but we think he probably should. And no, um, but, Jimmy Carr isn't going to resign. He's going to just go on stage yeah. and go, eh, eh, in a but, but, he, but, but in a way, he might be fulfilling his own prophecy by making himself unemployable in the sense of that you know not yeah. because he's not able to secure enough venues and he turns he turns into the you know the you know the you know the, we all know the slightly racist comedians from the 70s that were still trying to eke out a living they in the still exist 90s. I, I, um, I, that, I, and again so, I, yeah but it's not even now oh what was his if i was to say the word jim david brown no, oh he's dead. God, yeah yeah well okay you um, better not be performing any shows then so, um, but Jim Davidson, if I was to tell you that he is, I'm not going to tell you where, but he is, he is doing a live show in our fair city next month. It's still out there. Um, well, there we go. Um, so, oh, and I've just okay. realized, sorry, Roy Chubby Brown isn't dead. Okay. Jeth- Jethro's dead. It was Roy right. Chubby Brown who, um, well, they, they all look the same, right? Oh, God. So, um... So, oh, we were doing so well. <laughs> so, you've crossed the line. No, so, well... Yeah, 70s, they, they seem, 70s yeah. racist comedians, well, they all look the same to me, don't they? How are you supposed to tell um, them apart? Come on, bring it back online. Okay, so, three, two, one, back in the room. Okay, so, uh, so we move from things you shouldn't say to another thing you shouldn't say. So uh, so last week, the uh, the SNP leader in the House of Commons, Ian Blackford, was ejected from the House of Commons. He was. Uh, because, because he said that Boris Johnson, the Prime Minister, had willfully le- uh, misled Parliament. Um, and when asked to retract, amongst the other things that he said, he said, it's not my fault if the PM can't be trusted to tell the truth. Um, so he gets chucked out of Parliament. He does. Um, but come on, is there anybody that, that believes that certain other politicians are getting away with lying at the dispatch box? Because you can't call someone a liar in Parliament. Is that a strange situation that... Well, and if we want to engender trust in our politicians, should calling someone a liar be more offensive than actually lying? Well, it's the idiosyncrasies of Parliament and parliamentary mm. privilege, isn't it? Yes. So, you know, we we moderate a politics group, and we had to um, we had to employ our moderation skills because a member of our politics group made the same accusations about Sir Keir Starmer that Boris hinted at in the Houses of Parliament. So yeah. we were something that said elsewhere would get you taken to yeah, court for slander yeah. so we we slander. were we were rightly forced to say well i'm sorry you're not saying that here and they said but it's my god and right to and we said no it's not and they said you can't stop me and we said ha ha yes we can your yes we can is, mute your post is deleted <laughs> and you're muted yes. tell your story walking pal yes um yes but there's this element of this this arcane arrangement in parliament where 
you know, you can pretty much stand up and say anything. And provided it's polite enough, that's okay. And, you know, there are things which are, you know, you can, and it's the bit that I don't get, which is, you know, the, so Keir Starmer was responsible for the fact that um, Jimmy Savile didn't get prosecuted is a lie. Uh, that, that you know you you can you, it doesn't matter which way you dress that up that's not true no and then to weasel way weasel your way out of actually retracting and apologize is um is even is even worse so um but i just i just think that in order for in order for the public to regain yeah. trust in poli- in our politicians and in politics in general we need to know that people say what they mean and they mean what they say and that they're held accountable for it. Now, strangely enough, you can print any, you can print anything you like on a political leaflet unless it's an untrue accusation levelled at a named candidate in, that ele- in an election during the election period. You yep. don't have, so what you print on the leaflet doesn't have to be true. That's, that's kind of the regulation is that you can't you effectively can't slander a political candidate and i think that's wrong because we should all parties should be required to only print stuff that's true yep yeah um, and, and it, it's the stuff that's true and and i think if we come back to our irony and uncomfortable as it is you know the 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 thing that boris said about um kia was a lie and the thing that blackford much as i don't like the man said about Boris was the truth and only yes. one of them got ejected from Parliament um, so there is something in those kind of rules and idiosyncrasies which um, which isn't right so we, we've we've actually made we almost strung this show together like we planned it so it is about what you say and the consequences of it mm-hmm. and um, should you stay or should you go and where does that that kind of that line sit I think we'll um I think there's probably more shows to be had looking at um, people in public life and um, how they conduct themselves. There's there's more meat in that particular stew. There, there, there is indeed. There's there's more opportunities for pick and mix in the future. I'm sure we won't run short of ideas. Perfect. You've been listening to the Pompey Politics Podcast. I've been Ian Tiny Morris. And I've been Simon Sansbury. Uh, join us next week at the same time, 6.27, and we'll announce during the week uh, what that show will be. We're hoping to line up um, a... Um, so you saw our recent show where we invited on uh, some count- a couple of councillors and a candidate from Haven. We're hoping to turn our attention westwards along the A27 or on the M27 uh, towards Fairham and hopefully towards Gosport if we can get some people on. So uh, stay tuned. Uh, we'll put some announcements out later in the week. But also, uh, don't forget that... Elections are coming, so we will be organising the hustings. Do let us know if there are particular wards that you want to see us come in, uh, you want to see us cover. Um, and if you're in contact with your candidates in your ward, by all means, please give them a gentle nudge and, uh, and um, encourage them to take part, because I'm sure you'd like to hear what they've got to say for yourselves. But I'm in Simon Sansbury. Join us next week at 6.27. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of the Pompey Politics Podcast. If you want to make sure you get notifications about upcoming shows, 
and get to know when we're live. We normally broadcast live 6.27pm on a Sunday evening. Then follow us on Facebook at Pompey Politics Podcast. You can also follow us on Twitter at Pompey Politics One. Please, if you'd like to, feel free to leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. And you can even ask Alexa to play the podcast for you. Alexa, play the latest episode of the Pompey Politics Podcast. Getting Pompey Politics Podcast from Amazon Music. Alexa, the latest episode. stop. See? It's easy.